Up Hold again on. Too, I'm sure. We'll it will. Yeah, show. we're just talking over the intro now, guys. It's fine. Welcome to Baby Next Year, a podcast that doesn't <laughs> stop, give a stop. shit when it starts. Stop talking about wife swapping now. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> right. Right. Uh, if you are interested in our salary wife swap, uh, that is a podcast that may happen if we all continue down the path that we're going towards <laughs> um, uh, financially and job wise and, you know, certain large parts of this country being opened and or closed. Uh, my name is not furloughed, Frank. <laughs> I'm not yet furloughed, Frank. I'm still working, Scott. Yeah. And I'm Popper Paul. Oh, Popper Paul. Well, welcome all to a, another episode of uh, maybe next year, as I said at the out, outset. Uh, we're here to talk about the Bills football, and we're going to don't have a game to recap. So it's kind of like I, I, I can't vamp the way I usually do to kind of get myself into the groove here. We have to go, hit the ground running. Um, right. But it was a good strategy, not telling us you'd hit the record button and then us just chatting. So that was a good, you know, we well, got our. To be fair, I said let's get started, and then you guys all were all quiet for a second, and then like, <laughs> and then like, then it the all kind of exploded. Yeah, so it's it's fine. Um, but the first thing on the agenda here uh, we have is our 2019 cap situation. Since it's 2019, um, there's only 111 million dollars in commitments. And three millions in dead money, which is, gr which like, I can't even think of the last time. I don't know. You'd have to look up the last time there was less than ten million dollars. Oh yeah, even I, they had a whole summary in the Athletic uh, this week that I was reading, and the Bills they went all the way back to twenty twelve. There were no years they were under ten million grand. If they were to get rid of both McCoy and Clay, it would hit that. But there's a very good chance, even with you know, uh, cuts during the, the training camp that they'll, they'll be under 10 million this year. Right. And it's, it's just, you know, like, like the Sabres, a hockey organization would be happy to have this level of, of dead money, let alone a, you know, the W a WNBA team might be suffering from 3 million in dead cap. But other than that, I can't really think of, of, uh, you know, yeah, lacrosse, maybe national lacrosse league, yeah, you know, those types of organizations. But, you know, I think for an NFL team, if they – and most of it's quarterbacks, it's mainly McCarron and Peterman. So, he'll right. take that. Um, and, you know, for basically a dead-arm quarterback, it's it's a good it's a good way to go. Um, okay, so – and then, you know, off-season priorities. So, we're going to have 80 to $85 million to spend, which is all a way to set up the topic, which is, you know, what are the off-season priorities? Paul listed a few. Um, offensive and, and defensive priorities, and how should the Bills address those needs? Um, so I can give you the spoiler of what Paul listed, Scott, <laughs> or Scott, you could work off of that list, or if you disagree with that list, you could just sort of, why don't you get us started what you think, like, so where are you I have an offensively? I have an offensive priority, because I... I could do a 45-minute podcast by myself about talking about the offensive line. I would need a little time to do some research, but it would be super boring, and you wouldn't want to hear it. So I will just say we need a we need four offensive linemen, at least. And that's with the re-signing of Searles, which we'll get to later, who obviously is not like someone really counting on more than depth. I feel like Teller is someone who can compete for a job. Um, Bodine is someone who is depth. And then Mills and Miller are dead to me. Ducasse is dead to me. And Dawkins has a job somewhere on the line, left or right tackle somewhere. So I'm fully in the market for four linemen. If we don't get four linemen, I'm not going to be super pissed, but we definitely need to get at least three. Like that's, that's definitely a thing that needs to happen. And, and, and they need to be starting or draft or like starting caliber, at least like quality depth caliber at minimum. Like, we have one weak spot on the line. Like, okay, NFL teams do generally have like one or two weak spots on the line, but we have four weak spots on the line, and that that has to change. So that's definitely a priority. And then my question back to you, gentlemen, is mm -hmm. on wide receiver. Two questions: Do you want Antonio Brown, and would the Bills ever actually get him? Hmm. That's a that's a, that is a question I I love, and I, I am you know I would not mind having antonio brown which sounds like a very weird thing to say and i saw i don't know if you guys saw the vegas odds but the bills are listed as more of a likely place for brown to end up than the steelers that they're listed as the third most likely hmm. organization he ends up with 
going by Vegas's you know odds making system. I would like to see it. I would I would want to make sure that he buys into the program that he's not coming in with baggage because I really I give him some of the benefit for the doubt because we can talk about guys <laughs> like maybe our team players or whatever this and that like. Ben Roethlisberger is not a squeaky clean choir boy type guy. It is not necessarily a red flag to me that you cannot get along with him. That could very well be a Roethlisberger prop. I would still need to be vetted, of course. I don't want to make that assumption. Uh, but he's a phenomenal player. Would the Bills acquire him? I think I think it's something they'll explore. You look at the way his contract is set up. It's nicely front loaded for them for this year. So if it doesn't end up being... Uh, it doesn't end up working. They're kind of just mildly stuck for this season and next season, and then they could cut ties with him. But in the meantime, boy, he would be a great target for Josh Allen. I think overall, though, if you ask me, do I think they will get him? I don't think they do. So I would say my three answers are, uh, yes, they should be interested, I think. Yes, I think they are going to at least take a look. Uh, but no, I don't think they're going to end up with him. Yeah, I mean, I'm skeptical that they end up end up with him. I mean, since the dawn of time, I've been skeptical that they would end up with a a what's considered a premier player. Uh, I mean, they they did get Terrell Owens at the end of his career, kind of, and we can debate back and forth on how well that worked out. Uh, right, I, the Mario Williams signing was the other one. Right, and even and I think there's even a discount for defense. I mean, as great a player and, and a star as Mario Williams was, like offensive players have their own sort of level of gravitas that it's even bigger i mean they did get mccoy yeah but you, you trade that's for a big deal that's a big deal i mean yeah. again it's a trade but this would be a trade too yeah my, yeah. my nephew who never texted me texted me that day because he's a big eagles fan so that's okay. how i knew it's a big deal okay well all right maybe i stand corrected but i i still feel like it's not a it's it's maybe a better destination than the than the then I'm giving it credit for, but I, I still think it's not a great destination. It depends on what the, the bills want to offer the Steelers. What what are the Steelers going to want for two years of Antonio Brown? Do you, three years? Do, you, do you think that the culture argument will get in the way of the bills making an offer? No, I think if he's a good player who can play and he, they, he impresses in an interview, they'll sign him. They, I forget who the guy was it Corey Coleman does not was not a squeaky clean player, but they were happy to sign him on a flyer contract to see if he would work out at wide receiver. Well, that's a guy who's on the bottom of the raw. Uh, sorry, I'm just me and Frank are having a conversation. Let's go to Paul after this. But I think th th that's a guy on the bottom of the roster who's not setting the tone for the team. Antonio Brown immediately becomes, along with Josh Allen, the face of the franchise if you bring him in. And I his think efforts yeah. and culture sets the tone for the rest of the team regardless of what McDermott says. I disagree. I think that it's <clears throat> easier to disregard players that like the only reason to have the bottom of the roster character guys are because they're character players. I think that's why Nathan Peterman stuck around for so long because <laughs> he, he prepared the right way, but he even, but he just was terrible. So I, my feeling is that if they think that he can help them, then they would consider it. That said, I, I I'm thinking that, you know, Brown will have some say in where he ends up. Um, I don't know that. He, I think it's going to be a, about what the about what the value is. You got to be careful that you know he doesn't seem like Le'Veon Bell, who would sort of just sit out a year that he didn't like. Um, to be fair, I just I, I sort of like Paul. I don't know enough about Antonio Brown and 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 his feeling towards things other than he doesn't seem to want to play for the Steelers anymore. Um, you know. They can afford him. He's 30. He'll be 31. So he's on the tail end of his career. He's not a long-term solution by any stretch, but he could be a good solution. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say no, but I probably wouldn't be giving up, you know, first round compensation for him. Paul? Yeah. I, um, one, hopefully I'm not on mute. I'm not good. Cause I've been eating. Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Excellent. Uh, two, I, I'm looking, I'm mildly stalling because when you guys were talking about the point, uh, and, and I'm going to largely agree with Scott, uh, on his front on this, I think this is a culture changing type of player, a guy who is expected to be a team leader versus not just a Corey Coleman, but even a Calvin Benjamin, who was just supposed to come in and give him a big target. But, you know, the, the athletic had asked Bill Parcells. You know, when when should a team spend with purpose? 
with so much cap space and an owner with deep pockets, should the Bills dare to get into a bidding war for a player they crave and risk big bucks on a player with a checkered past? And Bill Parcell said, if I were trying to build my team with youth, I would try to eliminate those risky players altogether. If I'm paying a lot of money, I want to make sure I know what I'm getting and that person has to be solid. And I would tend to agree with, with Parcells on that. I would want to make sure he is fully vetted and that that culture is not you know, disrupted at all because there seems to be less draw, locker room related drama than we had in the certainly in the Ryan years and even in the Marone and Gailey years, you know, mm-hmm. beforehand. We might not like Nathan Peterman, but you didn't hear a whole lot of people dissing Nathan Peterman or saying sources from within the bill saying they don't know what they're doing. So plenty of I people think, dissed him. They just oh, they yeah. were all on the outside, <laughs> right? He's, he's being dissed today. Um, <clears throat> I hear approaching sirens and I'm soon to be arrested. I'm sure I'll just wrap up my my point, which is, you know, yeah, I think you really have to make sure and I would want the Bills to talk to him first. I would want them to learn as more about the situation in Pittsburgh before they, they pursue it further. Hmm. Okay. I, I think people kind of see where I'm coming from on this a little bit. Obviously, I'm, I think there's plenty of um, reason to really consider this. And I think that's a, it would be a good, uh, it would be a good, good decision to think about bringing in Antonio Brown and really bring him like, Maybe we should. Maybe we should bring him in. I get that there's a cultural concern, maybe a little bit. Like I, I like the Parcells point made me stop and think for a second. I'm like, yeah, that's that's about the closest argument I would have. But I would say it's probably the risk that I would be willing to take because I get that like Allen might be the guy of the future, but you never really know how long your window is. So on some level, if you got a guy for three years, which is what the Brown, if you if we traded for Brown, he would be with us for. Um, He's through 2020, I think, his contract when I looked at it's, it. Is three, it's three years, 36 or 38 million, depending on if you do it pre or post. Oh, you're right. 2021. My bad. I still am thinking it's 2018. I will yeah. get over that at some point. Yeah. So it's that's not an insignificant amount of time. And that's that's three pretty good years. And again, I think everyone's kind of thinking like next year needs to be the year that the bills kind of go all in. So if I'm McDermott, I'm seriously considering it. But I guess that's kind of my big kind of offensive thoughts and, and uh, Antonio Brown kind of, uh, kind of digression. So uh, I'll, I'll allow everyone else to, to, to do the rest of the pod now. No, that's good. I'm glad you picked up and, and, and took over that part of the, the show um, because <laughs> no, I, I mean it because you, you led the discussion. That was very nice. Um, I, that was one of the big things I, I wanted to talk about too, is Antonio Brown. Then I, this is kind of ad living, but with the theme, because you know, running back to some degree is also a theme for the Bills, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. getting a young guy to be McCoy's heir apparent or what you want to do there. But then just opening it up for you guys, and I'll ask I'll ask the, the question, too, that it's got to, what about someone like, you know, Le'Veon Bell? Free agent, you have the ability to front load, really front load his contract so it's not high risk down the road. And that, that could be someone who – solves all of your running problems you could make mccoy if you keep mccoy great he can be a change of pace back you know that should help his yards per carry but at the same time you know one what do you think about the culture risk here and two do you think the bills rather than getting a veteran are going to be better off getting you know a freshly drafted not high investment type guy uh i i don't want levy on bell i think that the lesson of chris ivory um, strangely, uh, even though he wasn't super great, was that you don't have to be super great to do something. I, I, I certainly think that the bigger problem with the running game is the offensive line versus the running backs. And I, I, I just don't want to overinvest on running back. And I think that that's sort of what happened with the Steelers. And I don't want to be the guy who does that as special and as great as Le'Veon Bell was. Uh, is he much better than... Um, LaShawn McCoy was in his prime and what exactly did that get you? You know, I'd rather have offensive linemen and invest in a wide in, in the passing game uh, than I would um, bell. So for me, that's a, a hard no. Um, yeah. I, I'm a fully, I'm on board with the hard no as well. Hard no. All right. I think, I think, I think much for the same reasons as Paul, the premium is not there at running back. The, the, the marginal effective value over 
you know, the value over replacement running back is not super high there. I mean, he is certainly better than the average running back, but I guess it's, it's the, it's the value of the running back position in general and who you can get as, you know, per new England of, you know, the three headed backfield of, you know, end of the first round guy and Sony Michelle, um, James White, who was a career backup actually for mostly at Wisconsin. And I think went in the, maybe the fifth or sixth round and Rex Burkhead, who was like a third or fourth round guy, like that's perfectly legitimate and it can get you through. We've already got enough money invested in McCoy. You know, obviously we'll see if he comes back, but I'm, I think, I think you can get the, the value at, you can bring in a guy in the fourth or the fifth round who can be your, who can, who can learn the system and do one or two things. Well, catch the ball, run the ball, um, you know, the blocking will take some time probably. So you'll, you know, McCoy can be the third down guy or you get ivory to be the third down guy or whoever, but that, I don't think that bell is the, is, is the, I, I think the sealers. Yeah. They, they, as much as like, I'm not sure it was great for the team chemistry to handle it the way they did. I kind of agree with the Steelers financial decision of like, we're not, it's not worth a long-term deal to sign you to a long-term to any running back to a, to a max deal kind of right. Um, once they're past that, you know, for that prime, those, and, and again, and I agree with bell too, that he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have signed anything that wasn't going to basically set him up for the rest of his life, you know, without, without too much, you know, he should have tried to get as much as he can. And if he thinks he's holding out is going to get in there, then that's, then by all means, go ahead. That doesn't bother me. And this one thing I'd like to have a larger discussion on sometime, not today, because we got uh, lots of bills related things to cover is that, Running back to bait because we've often, you know, defaulted the argument. Well, you can find a, a better guy in the later rounds. Now, and again, we don't get into the full discussion. While that is true, I think it's just as likely as like every other position. You're still much more likely to get that elite guy, that Saquon Barkley in round one, and then maybe now and then luck out in round uh, two. And I will both give one supporting argument, one against. It will take me uh, six seconds. If you look at the top 15 running backs in NFL history by yardage, 13, all but two, were picked in the first round. So the superstar guys have all been first-round guys. Uh, the counter I'll make to that argument is the two who aren't are Frank Gore and who is the other one? I forgot the other one. I think it was uh, Curtis Martin. So Gore was Gore's an active guy. Martin is also more recent. So it could go to the argument that, hey, you know, running backs, you know, nowadays can be picked lower and still be good but then and a nice discussion for another day on if we undervalue running back by just saying we should never get it one in the first round or if we're just feeling bad that they drafted well, I just I mean, we did so many first round picks on running backs it's that and like nine is a like nine is a really high pick to be taking a running back and it's just not it's not something i think is going to be the difference maker on this team you know, I think they need other things to make the like to to move forward that are not running back. So it's not Especially so much with the emphasis on it being more of a passing league. Your point is, you know, right, uh, and it's pretty pretty valid. I don't disagree that you can get excellent elite talent and that can help you. I just I just don't think that that's what this team needs. So, but so, such as such as my dumb life. So I'm getting idiot. getting two things. Okie dokie dokie oh. Okie dokie silly okie oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, it's a good Super Troopers callback for mm -hmm. all the uh, Super Troopers fans out there. All of them. So the problem with going kind of off agenda and letting other people run the podcast is now everyone doesn't know how to end the segment and what to do next. All right. Well, then you just do the next segment. <laughs> okay. Uh, this will be. I'll, I'll 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 take over for a bit. So speaking of things that the Bills should or should not do with people on their team or not on their team. Frank, do you have any thoughts on defense people who should be on the team or priorities, I guess, on defense of per Paul's agenda as originally stated? Well, we just re-signed Lorenzo Alexander, so I think we're all set on defense. Simple enough. Done. No, no. Um, Next topic. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it's, you know, Paul rightly lists, you know, second cornerback. Um as a, as a potential lead. I, I'm going to say that A1, everything that you need on defense is secondary to what you need on defense. I think we could discuss to like, <laughs> sorry, to offense, right? That was my little, anyway, Jesus, Frank. Go, get, right. go, get, yourself, go get yourself a hamburger, Frank. A hamburger, yeah. 
bigly. Just making, uh, just making sure we're paying attention. Yeah. We are. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to take a deep breath here. Everything on defense is more or less secondary to what's needed on offense. I think that the defense obviously didn't have the takeaways that they had last year, but came up big in lots of, in, in plenty of situations such that I'm not really worried about the defense. Um, to me, it's depth, right? Like it's, you could use another linebacker. You could use another tackle. You could use another, you probably need another cornerback. Um, you arguably need another linebacker too. But uh, to me, that's not nearly as important as, as getting, you know, at least two offensive linemen and a wide receiver. Um, and so that's where I want to spend my money and prioritize um, the, the talent that we need. Um, but, you know, I'm open to, to Paul explaining to me why I'm wrong. No, I actually, I was, I, I tend to agree with you on this. I do believe that everything on defense is secondary to offense. We didn't even talk about tight end really because it's an undervalue, you know, it's, it's a position we've never really had a good one on the bills. Um, but really you look at the defensive priorities. I, I put on the agenda cornerback two and then put Levi Wallace in with a question mark. Cause I, you know, seven or eight weeks ago, we were all saying, oh, they definitely need a cornerback two. And then Levi Wallace has rated the, top rookie cornerback by pro football focus over a bunch of guys who are drafted in the first round. So that means it doesn't mean he's the future, but it means he should at least be allowed to compete. And maybe this isn't as big a need as we thought weeks ago. I think the sneaky needs to quote uh, Joe Biscaglia is uh, the, the three technique, three technique defensive tackle. They had two on the roster this year played very well. Those were Kyle Williams and Jordan Phillips. One is retired. One is a free agent. So you really need to focus on that defensively to help someone in the one technique, which is going to be, you know, Starr and Harrison Phillips and the various people they rotate into that. Uh, and then again, I, I put on the agenda linebacker and defensive end depth, but you've got you've got Lorenzo back. You know, if you get a pass rusher, you know, nothing against Shaq Lawson, Trent Murphy. I'm fine with getting a guy who usurps those as a, a quality pass rusher. Uh, but realistically, yeah, I mean, I'm with, with Frank. I think the big emphasis really needs to be on offense where you could legitimately get what, four, five, you know, six to seven new starters next year, six to eight really new starters next year. And I'd say at least six or defense where you're going to have maybe, maybe one to two. Well, you're going to have one for Kyle's spot for sure, but maybe two and new starters. So yeah, I, I'm going to go with, with Frank on this and say a yeah, defense, you get that three technique, a guy who can help out, brings people in to compete for that second cornerback spot, get some depth players. Cause that'll help you with special teams. But I mean, offense is where you want to be spending the dough right now. I'd say. Agree with, agree with all. I think, I think I, I do get concerned. Obviously I've been reading a lot of the kind of the postseason wrap ups of Levi Wallace and that he's, you know, he, he, did great things those last six weeks. I still get concerned. That's a, it's a small body of work. Again, he's got the pedigree kind of coming out of Alabama to a certain extent. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, that gives me a little more confidence, but I'm also not quite ready to, to bet the farm on him. So I'm definitely, I think, but I think Paul's plan makes sense. You know, if you want to look at depth on defense, really the run defense was the thing that was the biggest you know, problem to a certain extent with, with the team, the past defense, the secondary was, was okay by the end because Wallace had come on. So to a certain extent, the, the, and giving again, the, the point of it's a passing league, you may be trying to shore up the run defense a little bit is probably a good way to go. And so that helps you if you can get a good deep tackle in there, that might be the way to do and let Edmonds and Milano, hopefully both be healthy next year, kind of, you know, fly to the ball and do their thing and obviously free up Alexander. So I think, I think that does make sense to stick to the uh, to the defense. Um, yes, they, they gave up one three hundred yard passer last year in a passing league, just one. In fact, after that game, they gave up two away to Detroit, but never more than uh, what is it? Never more than one seventy in any other game. And that three eleven was a guy named Tom Brady, who they held to no touchdowns, and he threw two picks that day or one pick. So yeah, pass defense is was really solid. So. And, and if, if Levi Wallace does work out, I think the Bills just need to, at the end of the draft, figure out uh, what Alabama seniors have not been taken and just, just hmm. bring them all on board. Because you get Wallace and Foster to both work out, obviously there's something to that strategy. It's almost as if the players on Alabama are better than the other players right. on the college football scene, except for the ones on Clemson, who are apparently Clemson. sometimes did, as good. Did you see the fact about uh, J.P. Lossman? 
No. That he is the uh, the last time Nick Saban has lost a game by 21-plus points. <laughs> J.P. Lawson's been involved. He's a quarterback for the Bills against Miami, and he is – what's his role at Clemson? Quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator. Oh, is he at Clemson? He, or, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that. I thought I, he was still – Scuffling somewhere, right? I watched a little of that game, but I didn't know. I, I clearly have not. Okay, we're taking a look right now. He is. Do, 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 do. Uh, I'll I'll find it here. Okay. I just. We'll move on while Paul's looking that up. We'll move on to news. I guess we could do that. Um. Yeah. No. I. I. I uh, just would like to say that I had no clue about anything to do with the national championship game. Other than I said at some point, I bet it's Alabama and three other teams. And, and by the way, his J.P. Lossman's position is it's a small position. It's uh, offensive intern. So he is essentially ah. uh, starting the, from the at Clemson. Is the is the film jockey down at Clemson for yes. the for quarterbacks? I would, uh, Frank, at some point, I would go ahead and punch up the Trevor Lawrence highlights and just kind of be like, <laughs> boy, that guy's better at better at his job than I am at mine, and he's 18 years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did see that the Alabama quarterback is going to Oklahoma. That came across the, yeah, the newswire yeah. today. I don't know if that's well, important or not. But Jalen Hurts, yeah, is it's funny because, yeah, like literally like last year he was like, 13, 13 and 0 or whatever it was, they're 13 and 1, and he brings the national championship game, but then he gets hurt. Or they, right. no, they pull him because they're not winning. And then the backup to a Tagovolia comes in and he wins the game for him. And then Hertz is the backup this year. And everyone's like, Well, is he gonna stick around? Is he gonna do whatever? And then he he rides the pine for the whole year. They bring him in actually in the uh, in one of the games in the in the the game against um Somebody against Clemson, I think maybe, and he he plays he plays a little bit and he plays okay, or maybe it's the SEC championship. I forget when exactly, but then yeah, now he's transferring, so it's just kind of a wild story. He's and, just like sick of being benched. Well, and the guy the guy behind him is a freshman, so it's kind of like, or the guy in front of him is a freshman, so he's not gonna he's not gonna obviously he's he's already older than him, so he can't pass him, can't wait for him to leave. Madness. Uh, anyway, so who's doing news? Am I doing news? Uh, I can do news. We can all take turns doing news. I mean, it's just reading what Paul helpfully wrote for us. Exactly. So I, as I said, Lorenzo Alexander re-signed a one-year deal. I don't, I don't, I didn't see any details on it. No, no um, money. I noticed the money has been coming out later and later. It's like, it's taking a good week for things to be reported. Like we didn't even know about Barkley and Anderson's numbers until the last week, which by the way, were absurdly low. So that was just wonderful to see. I, you know, just as a quick aside, I'm happy with the quarterback room next year. I got to say, I'm happy with, it, it's strangely like a strength of the team, I think. Yeah. Um, but Lorenzo Alexander presumably signing a type of Kyle Williams-esque league. I don't know about league minimum, but everybody's well, happy. I, with let's see, Kyle signed for $6 million. I'd be surprised if they give Lorenzo some coin because he was uh, – Well, yeah, he, he said it was enough for him. He said it was enough uh, that, that he feels like his family will be able to do what they need to do after he retires and he doesn't have to play after next year. So. Yep. Yeah. He said he was definitely, this is definitely going to be his last year. And I was looking at the quarterback numbers. So uh, Derek Anderson, 250 grand against the cap, Matt Barkley, 1.775 against the cap and Josh Allen, 4.8 million against the cap. So this is why I'm saying front load your contracts. Cause you're not going to get away with uh, less than $8 million to devote it to a quarterback room that you're happy with for a long period of time. Right. Uh, Jeremiah Cyril's Cyril's. We'll call him Cyril's. That's as good a guess as any, I think. Uh, he gets a one-year contract extension because he was already on the team, if you didn't know, like I didn't know. <laughs> he, let's see, he had any starts this year? I don't think he did. He there's definitely, a, he definitely a, got some playing time. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a picture of him with the football on Buffalo Rumbling, so I'm guessing he's a real person. Uh, wide receiver Duke Williams from the CFL. Uh, so it was big CFL poaching time uh, as soon as the season was over. Uh, Duke Williams, I feel like there was something important about Duke Williams. He's the one who has the very well-known highlight of a defensive back, like kind of trash on him, telling him like, hey, come on, buddy. And he's like waving his fingers at him. And then Duke Williams just ran over the guy, just runs over him. So it's a very popular uh, Twitter meme. Also, he had some trouble in college and was dismissed. Scott, do you remember where he was dismissed from? No, I 
don't, but I'm pretty sure they, I remember reading this story and that he's basically the number one wide receiver in the CFL or something along those lines. Yep, that's, that is, is correct. And let's see, where was he kicked out of a school called, uh, Auburn, I believe. So originally committed to LSU, but changed to Auburn. And then, yeah, I mentioned he was dismissed from Auburn, uh, for a bar fight where he punched four people. Well, who amongst us has uh, you know, four people in a bar fight? I mean, I mean, me, yes, but I'm sure you two gentlemen have gotten into many bar fights. Oh, yes. A lot of people. They, I haven't, but I think it would be the point of the bar fight. If I'm being <laughs> to, fair. To punch people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're in a bar fight and, you know, you haven't punched four people, you're probably not very good at bar fighting. I mean, I think I feel like that. How would much? Be how much? How much kicking do you think you could do in a bar fight? Oh, I mean, if it's like a real fight, like as much as you want. Right. Okay. But I think if you're, yeah, I don't, I don't ascribe yeah. to the whole, like, oh, you got to fight fair kind of thing. Like, no, like you pull Frank, hair, scratch, Frank's gonna, Frank's gonna kick you while you're down. He's gonna come up and He's gonna kick you right in the ribs. Absolutely. I'm just okay. gonna wear an outfit with all spikes. I mean, by the time I'm I'm involved, like you know, we're here now, right? We're doing this. <laughs> so, what about what about weapons? What about I want to? I, I mean, Frank's put some thought of this. What about weapons? Right. Do you yeah. can you bring a weapon, or do you have to create weapons at the bar, like smashing that, your glass? And that, that that escalated quickly. Yeah, that escalated quickly. Can you uh, bring a trident to to a bar? I don't absolutely. even know. Of course you can. I mean, that's that's why you? Frank. That's why Frank hasn't gotten into any bar fights because he shows up with a trident. People are like, hey, that guy's got a trident. Maybe I should. Exactly. Right. There's a Nicolas Cage movie called The Weatherman, which me and three other people have seen. <laughs> and he's walking down the street with a bow and arrow on his back, and he notes at this time he's like, boy, people have really left me alone since I started walking around with a bow and arrow. Like no one seems to be bothering him anymore. So there is some logic to showing up the bar with the trident, and people are gonna pretty much, you know, just not mess with you. So there's there's pluses to unless that. it's Aquaman, and then you're then you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> it's Aqua Guy, right, or whatever the thing in the trailer is, which is exactly why we're gonna talk about Bobby Johnson being hired as the offensive line coach. He was the assistant offensive line coach for the Colts, and he used to work with the Bills because I heard Eric Wood talking about him on the radio today and how great it was for the Bills to, you know, be getting he him back. For Joe D'Alessandra, I believe, previous yeah. Bills line coach. Oh, yeah, I remember that name. And good. And now I can get to the and higher he exactly like Sal Capaccio for the few. You know. He did? He does, yeah. In fact, they've been they've been ragging Sal on, on the Twitter about on the On the tweets? On no. the tweets, yeah. Twitter is such a good wholesome place where <laughs> nothing terrible ever happens um what was i gonna say oh right oh this is the hire i want to talk about uh heath farwell um assistant or sorry he'll be the special teams coach uh replacing dandy crossman more importantly julie farwell um will be coming with him and i just feel like you should all google julie farwell we're all doing it now. Oh, and I say we all. I know I am. I can't speak for, for Scott. Okay, so we're looking up this person. Uh, I, it's is it's, she it's, a seagull? No, but no, I'm the wrong one. She's on the. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and say on the on the, uh, the the Hollywood scale that we made. Oh, the the um, the, the, the GAR scale. The Judy the, the Judy Greer Christ. scale. Yes, yeah. She's like a she's like a four. I think she's a. She seems like a solid Our starter. Candidate. Okay, yeah. okay. Potential, oh, you know. Married. I see. I got it. Potential all star, okay. and that's that's my, you know. And and again, our our evaluations always include intelligence, personality, charisma, foreign Correct. language skills, precisely development. It's, yep, it's definitely a lot of deep research because we're not. This is a. This is a women forward podcast here it is and i just we are happy to have all people come listen to this podcast and honestly in almost eight years of this podcast i think that's probably the most piggish thing i've ever said and i didn't even say anything that terrible so i'm just gonna i feel like deal with I, it, I, I feel like i'm owed one all right like i just she's hot and looks a little like my wife so i think it's okay 
Can't call it cheating. She reminds me of you. That's stop quoting random gin blossom songs. Hey, thank you for knowing it was the gin blossoms. All right. <laughs> That's like track twelve on New Miserable. It Experience. is. It's the end of of New Miserable Experience. It's not even sang by uh, Robin Wilson. It's it's the other guy, Jesse. Wow. All right. I'm showing way too much gin blossoms knowledge here, so I'm just going to shut up at this point. Very good. Um, but I mean, Heath looks young, so he might have some new ideas for the he is the, a the child of, teams. He's a child of 37 having just turned 37 two weeks ago Happy he birthday. Was a former, uh, i think he played for the vikings and the seahawks yeah i just saw him in a, in a super bowl picture with the seahawks yeah there you go because uh, that's we, what you know about the seahawks offensive line is that it always worked really well san diego state uh has a forced fumble and 156 tackles to his name Yep, he was a special teams ace while he was there. So uh, he was a special teams captain for the Seahawks from 2012 through 2014. So obviously, there, you know, there, he's not going to be, I shouldn't say he's not going to be, but like you would assume he's not this big system special team guy, but probably more of the, hey, I've done this. I'm fresh off of special teaming. Uh, right. This is how we need to get things done. So this, it's, is how the, this is how the kids special team these days. Yes, exactly. Okay. This ain't no Crossman special teams. That's that's the that's the tagline, I believe. This ain't I, your daddy's <laughs> Crossman. This ain't your daddy's special teams. There you go. Um, but yeah, also a Pro Bowler and a well, we said Super Bowl champion, but he was also made the All NFC team in two thousand nine. So, um, good for good for him, and I'm excited for him to, you know not be a complete complete tire fire i wonder do I mean, we should speculate someday about how danny crossman lasted through three head coaches and just how much blackmail material we had i think he just kept his head down in the meetings oh uh, yeah and no one noticed no one <laughs> noticed everyone forgot who he was right they were just like we're oh yeah we got to get around to that and you know too embarrassed he, to find out hey what's that guy in the back's name i don't know man he knew all the passwords for the the um the you know the the hr software so whenever they would get like resumes for new people he would just delete them and they'd be like i guess nobody wants it we better just we better just stick with uh stick crossman with, uh, with that guy like the guy in the back there yeah d Dizzle. No, I did learn. we were talking about uh you know heath farwell's accomplishments did you know danny crossman captained the london monarchs of the world league of american football and earned all the honors, according to three interceptions, and earning MVP honors in the inaugural World Bowl. I had no idea about Danny Crow. I didn't even know he played. So, well, there you learn something new. That's every the only time I ever present that fact is I'll have no reason to talk about Danny Crossman after today. Who's in a better position, the New York Jets after having hired Adam Gase, or the Miami Dolphins, who still have no quarterback? <laughs> Or, 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 right, or right coach. There too. they don't right. have a quarterback, but they Jesus. also don't have a head coach. So once, once the bills are out of it, uh, the wine intake goes up <laughs> and the brain reasoning goes down. Sorry, folks. <laughs> As opposed to the other type of reasoning, Frank. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> I was doing some of the other type of reasoning when I was talking about Julie Farwell. Probably. There it is. Okay. There we, go. <laughs> we got there. Good. I just want to make sure we close the loop. We really just, yeah, put the eye on the dot on the eye, and you know, yeah. Anyway, back to my question: Jets or Dolphins? So, for all of our male listeners still listening, still listening, um, I think you have to be the Jets because, as much as they're the Jets and were horrific last year, they at least have a quarterback who won some games, and Gase had success for a little while. So that's something. I mean. I don't know who the Dolphins are going to hire who's better other than an assistant on one of the teams that's currently in contention, which I know that like the Bengals already have, who is it? The guy on the chiefs, like their offensive coordinator already like lined up. Like they already, they already want that guy for their thing. So I don't know who's available. That was really going to be better than Gase at this point. So mm. I'll take the jet situation over the Dolphins. How about his eyes? How did what did we have an official explanation on what his eyes were doing? Did he have an explanation for that? I feel like someone would have had to ask him, like, what are you doing? Are you right. having a seizure? Do we need to be concerned? 
I'm Googling Adam Gase eyes explanation now. Oh, okay. I see it now. That oh, did sense. you not see this? No, I didn't. I see it. So now. there's the. It there's looks the, like he, there's a fly that's about to kill him, and he has his eyes going all over it. The, and he's the, just following it around. You got to see the video too, because it's not just that he made one. As soon as he sat down, he he just started doing these eyes things, and I don't know. Um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You got to find the video. Uh, yeah, because let's face it, a still photo, anything can happen. It, you know, things will look weird, whatever. But it's a, it's an actual video of him doing just crazy, crazy things with his eyes. Uh, anyway, to go back to the the question, I I'm gonna agree. I think the Jets are in better shape simply because the the Dolphins are in salary cap trouble, whereas the Jets are actually in a better salary cap position than the Bills, which is uh, you know pretty impressive. Um, the Dolphin, the Jets, I think, have someone who could be a quarterback of the future in Sam Darnold on the roster. The Dolphins do not. The Dolphins are going to have to get rid of Robert Quinn and some other big salaries. I think they're going to be trending uh, very much downward. I think the Jets will trend upward, so maybe it's only a difference of a game or two. But I, I think despite the fact – and so even though – even despite the fact that they have Gase as a coach and he didn't really do anything impressive when he was in Miami, I, I've got to give – give that uh, i gotta give the jets the edge too okay i still think the patriots are probably better than the bills dolphins and jets so it doesn't really matter i think i think that i'm still i'm i i i mean i realized that they only beat the chargers by like 40 in that playoff game that was like a week ago <laughs> but i still think that that they're probably better than the three teams they've been better than for the last 20 years yeah, but like that's not really fair because I mean the chart that was like the seventeenth game the Chargers had played this year. They were probably really tired, so you know, eighteenth game, eighteenth game, right? Game. So plus preseason and all that practice, they were probably tired. Absolutely. So I don't think it's really fair to to judge to, to judge them on the, the Chargers' game. effort, and therefore that reduces the Patriots. Wasn't uh, a regular season game, so were they even trying? Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the playoffs, though. Or no, let's do this day in Bill's headlines. All right. We'll more do... fun. All right. So uh, this was <laughs> thanks, as always, to uh, to two Bill's Drive, though not as many thanks as always, because as usual, because I had to do a lot of research on my own, because not much happens on January 16th in, in football. I didn't know if you're aware of that. So I didn't go as far back as old playoff games. Uh, I didn't go back. They were already done with the seasons where they won the AFL championships in the 60s. So uh, off the bat, we'll wish a happy 24th birthday to Trey White when I tried to Google things that were happening on January uh, 16th of 1995. So happy birthday, Trey. We are going to be somewhat coach heavy. So get your coach caps on. And here we go. Buckle in. 2014, four year, five years ago. The Cleveland Browns reportedly will interview Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator blank for head coaching vacancy. 2014? Yep. Perry Fuel. Perry Fuel. A little too late for Perry. Uh, Rex Ryan? Not Rex Ryan. But oh, he's afterwards. What am I talking yeah, about? Yeah. Um, I'll give you a hint. They hired him as their head coach. Chan? No, Mike Patton. Remember him? Uh, yes. Yeah, he was around for for a minute, and that's about it. I think he coached the Browns for one to two seasons, and then he, he got the Browns treatment. All right. 2009. Had to go back a decade for this one. Blank voted defensive MVP. I will give hints if needed. We'll see how you guys. Uh, 2009? 2009. Bill's defensive MVP. Yep. Not defensive. Not yeah, I'm sorry. Let me clear. Uh, the headline was uh, was this guy voted defensive MVP, uh, but it should say Bills defensive MVP in the headline. Hmm. hmm. You want a position? Yes. I will say I'll give you the position of linebacker. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I will go. This is a good linebacker era, so you've got some guesses. I will go London Fletcher Baker. Frank, any uh, guesses on your end? Uh, no, that's as good a guess 
guess is any for me. It was a good guess, but it was uh, Paul Puzlozny. Oh, Puzlozny. Yeah. The pause experiment. The other great white hope. <laughs> he just retired, I think, after what, uh, 2017 season. This is his first year out of football. All right, 2008, uh, the, the headline day so nice, I'm doing it twice. So we have two headlines from 2008. Headline one, report, Bills to name blank as offensive coordinator. This is one of Frank's favorite offensive Turk Schoenert. Turk Schoenert, yes, <laughs> the Turk. All right, part two, blank, a finalist for Hall of Fame. 2008? Yep. So you're going to have some Bill superstars already elected, some not yet elected, but still in contention. I think this is a trick question, and it's Terrell Owens. All right. No. Yeah, that's pretty of Scott. I'm going to say... I'll say Thurman Thomas. I think it was before Andre Reed, but after Jim Kelly. It was Andre Reed. Damn it. Oh. Andre Reed. Andre was always a, a a finalist. Yes, he was a finalist until he finally, <laughs> I think he had only two years remaining when he finally uh, got in. Let's see, when Thurman went into the Hall of Fame in, uh, I should know this, 2007. So Thurman had gone in the year before. All right. Uh, 2007. Blank wonders about future of Bill's defense. He says, yeah, you definitely think about it. It took less than a week for me to even think about it. I thought about that earlier in the year, and that's being realistic. Uh, it's the nature of the business. Short version is he was traded two months later. So he wondered about the future of the Bills defense and then was traded. He was a two-time Pro Bowler with the Bills. Mm. Last season in the NFL was 2012. Hmm. Aaron Schobel. Good job, Scott. Oh, not Turk Schoner, but um, Buddy Hackett just got hired somewhere, I think. Or Nate, Nate Hackett. Probably. Nate Hackett, yeah. I, well, I, I still call him Buddy Hackett. I think Buddy Hackett got, uh, he got hired at the Laugh Factory. Of course, yes. he's been dead for 15 years, but never let that stop you from being Buddy Wackett? <laughs> <laughs> She's All right. a good-looking girl. I wonder if she dates one of the Yankees. All right, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, is that that was Tommy Boy, right? Tommy Boy, yeah. You want you want references to pop culture of '92 with Tommy Boy and Gin Blossoms? We we can can take care of that all day, guys. Yeah. All right, 2004. Blank will not return to Pitts. Uh, will not return to. Excuse me. Let me restart the headline over. 2004. Blank will return to Pittsburgh as defensive coordinator. It appears Cower has won the tug of war with Buffalo to hire Blank as his defensive coordinator as soon as today. Blank, who was defensive coordinator of the Steelers in the 90s, uh, was assistant coach under Cower for five years, was the subject of intense salesmanship by the Steelers and new Bills head coach Mike Malarkey, Cower's offensive coordinator, who hoped to retain Blank as Bills defensive coordinator. So this was a former Steelers defensive coordinator who is the Bills defensive coordinator who then went on to be the Steelers defensive coordinator again. And let's see, he's pretty well... Regarded, I don't want to say Hall Dick of LeBeau? Fame. Dick LeBeau. Wow. Wow. Good job, Scott. So, yep, Dick LeBeau. Great, it's a great name, Dick LeBeau. Yep. He was the Bills' assistant head coach in 2003. They fired Greg Williams at the end of that season. Now, the uh, Jets' defensive coordinator, which we forgot to mention in our last segment. Um, and uh, Malarkey wanted to keep him on, but he said, no, I'm going back to Pittsburgh. And he stayed for 11 seasons, so probably a good decision as he won a couple Super Bowls during his time there. All right. Uh, we'll go back to 99 in a minute because that will be our, our grand finale question. Uh, 98, Bill signed blank from the CFL. Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie, the only real significant CFL sign they've ever had until maybe Duke Williams. We'll, we'll okay. see. All right, 1997, I'm stretching here, but this counts. CNN, both sides rest in blank civil trial. Oh, the O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson. Yeah. Uh, so the, the last days, uh, the, all the testimony was all done by this day in 97. All in right. The, in the civil trial, no less, right? Yeah. Civil trial, yes. All right. 1994, I'll have to do a little reading here, but uh, you should get this. The Washington Post headline bills... Too hot for Raiders. By the way, two is T O instead of T O O. So bad post head editors there in uh, 94. Oh, All right. So the 
We'll get to the player in a second. A wind chill index of 32 degrees below zero, a trifle. And when it was over, the Bills once again stood at the cusp of the Super Bowl with a 29-23 victory at Rich Stadium. Uh, one of the key drives, the Bills went 60 yards and five plays in the third quarter to take the lead on a 25-yard touchdown pass from Kelly to blank. A beautiful stop-and-go pattern that froze the cornerback. Mm. Says This receiver says, the guy bit on it. I tried to throw his hands off of me, and once I did that, I think he lost his footing from under him. So guy who had a key catch in this uh, key touchdown catch in the playoff game against the Raiders. Mm. And you know it's not Andre Reid because he's our Bennett answer. Mm. The, uh, when Thurman Thomas had his big fumble in the Super Bowl, I was optimistic the play before because this guy got a, caught a first down pass on the first play of the half. I'm like, oh, this is going to go uh, really well. He started with a Colts. Had some good years for the Bills, three good seasons with the Bills, then finished his career with the uh, Washington Football Club. Um, he is a member of the Indianapolis Colts Ring of Honor. Uh, I'm trying to think of what other hints I can give without giving it away. I think it's got to be um, famous American suffragist and philanthropist Annie Nolan Savory. You know, I was yeah. going to go with Marshall Philippe Petain. Famous French World War I history hero, but you guys, of course, probably remember him as head of the Vichy government in occupation. Oh, yes. Ooh, yeah. Which, which was a tough one to come back from. Um, you know, obviously, he did Big make time. He was, you know, I think I think those Bills Super Bowl run helped him, but I don't know that you could ever really get that collaborationist kind of stink off of you. No, not really. Yeah. Yeah, and that is that is why, of course, he had to go by the uh, pseudonym Bill Brooks, by the fake name Bill Brooks, to make yeah. sure that no one would would because he did have that stink on him, and you know needed to be needed to be kind of subtle uh, with his name. All right, two questions to go. Uh, Nineteen ninety-two, going back twenty-seven years. Uh, I'll read a little bit here too. Bennett blank. Tally and Common, Bill's firm behind the lines. This is an article in the New York Times about linebackers. Uh, Bennett is the left outside linebacker and the fastest of the four. Shane Common, whom Bennett said is having one of his best years, is the left inside linebacker. Daryl Talley, the leader of the group and probably the defense, is at the right outside spot. Then there is fourth-year player Blank, the youngest of the group, and the one, and you know what, I won't give this extra hint, but I'll just say the youngest of the group for now. 99. No, 94. 92, 94. 92 sorry. 92, Wait, my bad. 92, okay. 27 years ago. This was right. This was in the the bye week before the Bills were about to go face the uh, Washington Club in the Super Bowl. This player made a very big play in the AFC title game that led to that Super Bowl. Uh, and I'll give, I'll give uh, Frank the... The small hint here uh, that I've given when this guy was an answer one other time long, long ago uh, is that uh, his son uh, plays in the Buffalo Sabres organization. Oh, damn it. Uh, okay, so Justin Bailey and his dad is, and I, can't, I why can't I think of his dad's name? Billy D. Williams. <laughs> no. No. His dad was, was you know, he wasn't quite the fresh prince, but... Will Bailey? He wasn't the fresh prince, though. And he wasn't a Jazzy Jeff guy, either. Think of the think of the, the show. Carlton Bailey. Carlton there we go. Bailey, there we go. Oh, all right. <laughs> Good old Carlton. <clears throat> all right, here is the last, the grand finale question. We're going to go fast forward to 1999, so 20 years ago. Um, the Buffalo Bills made four offensive and one defensive player available for the expansion draft. Here's the list. Quarterback Alex Van Pelt, wide receiver Quinn Early, center Bill Conady, defensive back Ray Jackson, and running, running back blank. Uh, so you've got to name the running back. And I will give you the hint is that his nickname is derived from an A.A. A. Milne story. Well... Winnie the Pooh in the Hundred Acre Wood. Mm -hmm. Eeyore, Piglet, Tigger. 
Let's see. I, I will say you you have named the the nickname in here, you guys, between you. So that's that's good. I will also say, if you if you combine it with what we believe to be the most common last name that all Bills players, all Bills must have players by this name. Um, I think you could probably get this one just by combining something in Williams. Right. Piglet Williams. Pig, yep, could be Piglet Williams, but it's not. Eeyore Williams? Eeyore Williams. Keep going. Well, Christopher Robin Williams? Oh, no, 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 no. Booby Pig. Williams? That'd be, I, was, I think Pooh Williams. Pooh Bears. Clarence Pooh Bear Williams. Clarence Pooh Bear. Clarence Pooh Bear Williams. Played one year for the Bills. There was this article even went on saying they felt it was a surprise that he was uh, let go because the Bills thought he had a future. But but no, he literally played uh, one one year in the National Football League with the Bills. He played for Florida State uh, before that. NFL statistics, two carries, five yards, but he did have the awesome nickname of Pooh Bear. I don't know what he's doing today as hard as I try to, uh, to research it. So... Uh, yeah, that covers uh, this day in Bill's headlines for January 16th. Uh, thank you so much once again for doing that. It's always yeah. my favorite part of the show because Scott doesn't talk a lot, which makes it fun. Um, <laughs> feel, uh, <laughs> feel the love. Uh, Patriots Chiefs. Um, could there be 6,000 points in this game? <laughs> That's the over under, um, I believe, isn't it? Well, the the of course the 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 thing you guys have heard though is this is the snowball, this is the ice ball. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's yeah, ice ball port four. It's gonna be negative five. Like is like the Larry Larry King was asking why people don't um, <clears throat> you know why why they don't move the game or or wait a couple days because everyone would still watch it on Tuesday if they just that's, waited a couple days. That's not smart. Although when you think about it, there is a uh, big break between this game. There's a two-week break between this game and the Super Bowl. But, I, but yeah. I would wonder, yeah, if they would think about moving it to Monday night. I don't know if you would get any – I don't know if it would be – it would probably still be just as cold if you did a Monday night. I can't imagine it's going to get right. that much better in 24 hours. This will be the first time in my life I've Googled Kansas City weather. Casey, can't – Kansas City, Kansas, or Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, yeah, and I have to specify Kansas City, Missouri. Hopefully the last time you have to Google it. Yep. Okay, um, so Sunday high is 25, and the low is 20, but it's supposed to be snowing. Monday, no snow, and a high of 40, but a low of 26. So assuming it's closer to the low, it's probably going to be off. a yeah, slight yeah, different. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you guys watch any of that uh, Chargers-Patriots game? Last I time? watched no. literally one half. And then I just I gave up at halftime because I didn't I, even make it to halftime. I, I see. Yeah, I said to I said to my wife, I'm like, yeah, it's, I want to watch. You know, so I'm not watching six hours of football today. I'm just going to sacrifice second half of this game because I'm not enjoying it. But uh, what did I? I said something uh, clever on Twitter, and it reminds me of, of Judy Greer's, of course, as everything does. But it was a very decently liked and retweeted comment. Uh, I said I've always regarded Michael Myers from Halloween as the preeminent unkillable monster whose decades-long reign of torture and villainy will never subside. But now I have to strongly consider that the New England Patriots have surpassed him. Because mm. I feel like the Patriots are just always going. Like, people were pretty optimistic about the Chargers' chances. Chargers had a better record. Uh, they looked good. It looked great in the Ravens game. And they, they were done by halftime. They were literally done before halftime, as Scott noted in, in this one. It was uh, – I watched that first half, and I was just like – I was like, I can't believe I sort of got suckered in. Like, I still had that thought in the back of my head of, like – I don't know. Patriots at home. This is the Chargers. I'm, I'm not really buying it, but I was kind of thinking like, oh, they got some pass rushers. You know, they can put some heat on Brady. They haven't looked as good this year. And it was literally a curb stomping. It was literally like the Chargers never got off the bus. It was ridiculous. It was just so angry. And I don't know. And I have no confidence the Chiefs are going to do it either. I mean, how can yeah. you? Young it's team, the Patriots... Uh, offensive line look great. Their defense looked really strong. I don't even count the second half, which I didn't watch because they're not trying to not surrender points. They just want to surrender points to take a long time to score, which they seem to accomplish. Allow me, allow me to explain <clears throat> how one would, in fact, uh, have this happen where the Chiefs would beat the Patriots. Because for the next 20 years, for the last 20 years, we basically <laughs> had to eat Tom Brady. Day in and day out, okay? Uh, okay. And 
we, we can talk about the fact that every team passed on him and all that, including the Bills. But and and the Patriots passed on right, him five, uh, five times, right? Yeah. But the Bills really passed on Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> like they looked him dead in the eye and said, "I'm not going." They they swiped. They they basically went to him and held up the phone and swiped left, right. Like, here's your picture. I'm not going out with you. Uh, and then he threw 50 touchdown passes this year. But as you know, I think it was Reza on Twitter said, like, we don't really know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, he might've been good for the bills, but would the team have been any better with the crap around? Him? Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. What do you think, Frank? <laughs> yes, they would have. Now you can um, bolster your argument. He could have sat behind Tyrod last year, like he sat behind Alex Smith last year, learned right. the offense, and then. But of course, the Bills did change offensive coordinators. It's a, uh, It's definitely one that will be talked about for a long time if Josh Allen doesn't become a franchise QB. And and the thing that will help all that talk for the next twenty years is 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 him beating the Patriots. Mm-hmm. He will be the guy that beats the Patriots and beats Tom Brady and, and it'll be like, there you go. There was your dragon slayer that you've been waiting forever for. And you passed on him. So I'm going to say, I'm going to go with Scott though. I think, well, I don't know if Scott made the official pick. I, I'm no, I'm, I, 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 it pains me, but I like, I think Patrick Mahomes is, is really good. I don't know that he is the guy who beats the Patriots in this game. And I just don't see how it, it happens. I think it'll be, It'll, I think, and I also think the cold, like the, the thing I have is like, what is the weird thing that happens in this game? Is it just weird that the Patriots who are kind of, everyone assumes that they're kind of old, like they come back for one last thing, or is the weird thing like the Patriots are actually the better team in this game and the cold messes them up and that allows Kansas city back in. I think it's the former. I think it's like Kansas city is actually the better team. But because it's cold and weird and it's New England in the playoffs, New England pulls it out and they win like, you know, 42 to 39 or something on a, you know, last minute, you know, uh, I was going to, I was going to say Vinatieri field goal, but God knows it's not him. Uh, uh, Goskowski field goal. Goskowski, yes. I'm going to begrudgingly agree with Scott on this one too. I think the, especially watching what the Pats did with their offensive line last week that was really good, which, you know, no high draft pick starting for them, but a great offensive line, uh, you know, rushed for a ton of yards, gave Brady plenty of time to throw. Uh, I don't see them failing to show up and, and putting in their best game in a, a conference championship game. I think Mahomes will play well to, to, to be straight. I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm going to give it to the Patriots by a similar score of like 38-35. What about Rams Saints? I mean, this is a, th- that's one where thirty eight thirty five. We might be uh, that might be too low a score to assign to this. Might game. be the halftime, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Drew Brees and Jared Goff, and I don't know Showtime at the Apollo. So, yeah. I, I'm. I mean, I, I will say this: this is going to be a good weekend of football games. Like these are these are. You would think yes. Right. I, I mean, think. these are the top, sometimes you get some weird upset or something happens. Like to me, these are the top four teams in the league. I'd question whether the Patriots were better than the Chargers. They ended that question for me last week. Um, and I, since Scott went first last time, I mean, I, 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 this is one where you could flip a coin for me. I mean, the the Saints have the age and the experience. You look at Breeze and everything he's been through. Uh, but I'm going to pick the opposite of what's going to happen in the uh, the AFC game. I think this is where the young quarterback and and his team prevails. I think the the home field advantage. I think this is the first time Los Angeles will have been enthused during the football game since teams return to the area. And I'm going to say this is going to be another another gunslinger. I will say 53 to 49 Rams. Wow. Okay. I think this one goes to the Saints. I think it's a little lower scoring just because football is weird. Because and I you're think... not strange like me, yes. I, I mean, I'm, but my score is ridiculous. I will admit. Well, no. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not totally ridiculous. I mean, it, the Chiefs Rams game was that game. It was. I yes. mean, it was not. They were involved in that kind of a game where things were just insane. So I don't think that we're gonna have that much fun. I think this I think this is one of those where they actually spend the first quarter kind of feeling each other out and then they things really start flying in more in the second half. So I'll put this more in a kind of conventional like um but it'll still be a little weird. So I'll put it at like 34 
um, 28 Saints. I think they're a little more balanced. I think they've got a little better defense. I think the Rams have had actually in this kind of a game, like the Rams have actually had some trouble with um, red zone scoring. And I feel like that's the thing that you need to do in this game to win. And I feel like the Saints are a little, a little smoother in that. So even though the Rams actually have the, I would say arguably the better running game with Gurley uh, and Anders, CJ Anderson, who was off the scrap heap, came in and ran for a hundred yards against uh, the Cowboys or whoever they were playing. No, it was uh, the other team. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Eagles. Yeah. Eagles. Yes. Um, I, I will take the Saints. Cool. Um, well, you can let us know who you take by going to twitter.com slash, uh, or facebook.com back or facebook.com slash or anchor.fm slash or search Buffalo bills. Maybe next year in the podcast, uh, app or Google of your choice. And there you go. Uh, you'll find us and we'll talk to you about football because that's what we like to do. Sometimes, sometimes we like to drink too much wine and sometimes we talk about gin blossoms and i uh i uh, clang my dishes while i'm eating my way too spicy fish stew i mean if you think it'd be all right we'll talk about football tonight um but we are thankful to have you and you know uh if things keep going the way they were going we we mentioned well we might have to go on patreon with this podcast uh depending on how things shake out in the rest of the real world. But until then we're, we're, we're doing all right. And we will talk to you, uh, before the super bowl for sure. Not sure. Yeah, probably probably when. two weeks, either next week or the week after one of those weeks. We'll, we'll talk to you guys. Uh, and then after that, we'll, we'll get into the off season in earnest. We'll, you know, get the film out, start breaking it down and et cetera, et cetera. Um, any any last words for our audience, guys, or are we good? No, no last words. My name is Scott. My name is uh, Paul. I'm Frank. Thank you so much for listening. Good night, everyone. <laughs>